Good morning, Dr. Marvin. No, these aren't for you. They're for Faye. For yesterday, for your hospitality to Gil and me. I didn't say thank you. I thought about what you said, take a vacation for my problems, and I did. But you're back. No, I'm not. You're not? No, I'm not. I'm on vacation. This isn't an appointment. I'm dropping by. This is my first time over the lake. This is my first time anywhere. I, I'm a little anxious because I haven't figured out how to get food yet, but I'm staying at the Gutman's. When I told them what you said, they insisted. No, 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 no. So, I know we can't work, but let's get the friendship thing going. See you later. Sure seems like he's staying, doesn't it? Hey, paper boy, this was on your porch. Thank you. Family conference. Family conference. All right. Now, I don't want any of you letting Bob into this house. Why? Why? Sweetheart, aren't you overreacting just a little bit? Good. Glad we're all in agreement. Family conference is over. Okay, so um, how many are glad I showed that? It's just... It's just like going on a little mini vacation, I think. It's, uh, it's just fun. And, uh, you know, to be clear, Bob's an unusual case. There aren't too many people like him out there. Uh, not too many. There are a few, but not too many. But um, I'm afraid many of us have a, a lot more characteristics of, like Leo than our wives really appreciate about us. But um, the... Um, the whole idea of relationship and the need for relationship and the desire for relationship is really core to who we are and to how God created us. God himself is a trinity. There's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They've existed in perfect unity and harmony for all eternity. And we're created in God's image. And so it makes perfect sense that as God himself is a community that he created us to live in community. And that until that is satisfied in our hearts, there's always going to be something missing in our hearts. So there's going to be something missing in our uh, overall relationship with God even. But uh, I think there's a problem. Uh, there's a notion among Christians uh, that, tell me if you identify with this at all. Maybe it's not spoken, but there's this notion among Christians that to love like God loves, to love like Jesus loves, means that you're going to love everyone equally. That you're going to give yourself totally to everyone. And that every relationship should either be very intimate or moving the direction of greater and greater and greater intimacy. Now, anybody may, may not think that consciously, but just as I say that, have you ever picked that up as part of the Christian thinking, a Christian community? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've experienced that. And it, it, it really is so counterproductive to healthy relationships, that thought, that notion. Because if we really accept that, 
and, 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 and we live under the burden of that, then we're going to live with unfulfilled expectations. And unfulfilled expectations that, I mean, we all live with unfulfilled expectations. And the very welcoming of the kingdom into this world and experiencing the kingdom and not experiencing the kingdom is an unfulfilled expectation. But in this case, it's an expectation that we've developed that is not an expectation that God has for us. And so the, the idea that every relationship should either be intimate or moving in the direction of intimacy is going to cause fear. It's going to, for, uh, for a lot of people, it's just going to cause them to freeze up because we all know we can't be equally intimate with everyone. And so for some people, there's this thinking to, to kind of justify drawing away from relationships. Maybe there's some apprehension that someone like Bob is out there just waiting to pounce on us. And you don't want to become intimate friends with someone who's going to drain the life out of you. And so there's some fear and anxiety there that uh, hinders us from moving into relationships. And some people would even uh, mask all of that by simply saying, I don't need relationships. And that's just a cover. That's just a mask. But another problem with that type of thinking is that it can cause us to relate to other people out of guilt. And if I'm relating to other people out of guilt, then that means every person that I encounter, I am thinking I owe them something more than I can give them. And with that guilt there, I mean, you know, guilt messes everything up. Guilt's a horrible motivation. Just as fear is a horrible motivation. But if I have this sense that, oh, I should have given that person more time, I should have given this person uh, more of myself or more of my heart, if, if I live that way, then that's, that, that's just going to create chaos in my relationships. And really, it puts other people totally in the driver's seat. And I end up getting burnt out because I can't possibly handle all the demands that uh, are coming my way. Or, or you, I'm not talking about myself as a pastor, but of us collectively as individuals. So a third thing that is a problem with this is it, um, it, ca- it can lead us to place unreasonable expectations on others. You know, especially people that we find attractive and appealing as potential friends. And so if, if I have this belief that everybody should, loving like Jesus loves means just giving everything to everybody, then I'm going to have that expectation of other people towards myself. And that then can lead to all sorts of uh, problems. We experience a lot of relational disappointment and end up blaming and, and judging others. See, it's really freeing to recognize that it's okay to have like circles of relationship and circles of intimacy. And in that very, very closest intimate circle, you can't have very many people in that circle. In fact, if you're married, your spouse should be in the intimacy circle. And maybe one other person, but it should not be the opposite sex. That intimacy circle is something that, that very few people can, can be in. The next circle out, the... the, um, um, the uh, personal circle, let's call it. As we talked, I talked last spring about four spaces of relationships. 
And the one was the intimacy circle. And then the next one out is the personal circle. You can have more people in that circle. But still, the number are limited that you can honestly relate to at, at a personal level. And then the third level is the social level, which is um, a, a level that if you're a high school student, you are inundated with social relationships. If you're a college student, you have social relationships. Everywhere you go, you live with all these other people. But once we get out of high school or out of college, we suffer from a real lack of social relationships. And social relationships would be represented by maybe a, um, a neighborhood block party. You know, where everyone in the neighborhood gets together and, yeah, you know it's the Joneses from three houses down, but you don't really know what they're going through necessarily or what's, you know, happening in their lives. That happens more in the personal circle. But the social circle is, a, is an area where you can meet other people. You can, uh, you have friends at that level. And that's okay to have friends that are at the social group level where, where they don't move into the personal level or into the intimate level. That's okay. And, and then there is the, uh, the, the larger, broader social spectrum of just people in general that you encounter, large, large group meetings. Uh, we'll like even like a church service like this where there are people you see, but you don't necessarily get to know them uh, any further than just seeing them and you recognize them. It's okay for us to have relationships at all these levels. In fact, Jesus did. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we ask the que- a few questions that I came up with. One, was Jesus equally close to everyone? And the answer to that is no. Out of hundreds, even thousands of people, Jesus chose a small group. At one point, he chose 70. 70 people that were going to go out and represent him. Another, another more intimate level, he chose 12 that we're going to be with him all the time, the 12 apostles. And out of the 12 apostles, there were three of them, Peter, James, and John, that he was closest to. They're referred to as the inner circle. And we use that term negatively, and we think of uh, the inner circle. Well, that's a negative thing because that excludes people. Well, all of us have an inner circle, and you can't live without that. And you can't invite everybody into your inner circle. Jesus didn't. And then out of that inner circle, he had one, uh, John, that was, that was his favorite, that he was closest to. And it actually calls him um, the, the apostle Jesus loved. Now, another question I would ask is, did he stop to meet and talk to every person that wanted to talk to him? Do you think he did? Anybody think he did? Boy, you read the Gospels, there were times he was... He was fighting his way through the crowds to get where he wanted to go. Every person there would have loved to have had coffee with Jesus. They would have loved to have spent personal time with him. But he had a mission and he was focused and and he recognized that himself as human being could not have personal relationship with everybody. And so Jesus himself illustrates for us uh, this whole idea that loving others doesn't mean that we have the same level of intimacy with each and every person. Now, when Jesus did stop, 
He gave that person his undivided attention. You remember the woman that reached out and touched his cloak and she was healed and Jesus felt power leave him and he turned around, who touched me? And the woman came forward. He, he zeroed in on her and focused on her for those few moments. But you know, I doubt that she ever spoke to him again. No record of it. And I can't imagine that, that he would have been able to do that. Uh, there were certainly people that he focused on for that moment and blessed them for that moment. But that didn't move them into a closer and closer circle with him. And so you and I need to recognize that if we're going to follow the pattern of life Jesus did, that we're going to have some people that are going to be more intimate. Others, they're going to, we're going to have a closer personal relationship. And then some are going to be friends. And then some are going to be potential friends, people that we know out there, but we don't know really well enough to say, yeah, they're my friend. They're more of, a, of an acquaintance. And understanding that uh, helps us then, I think, to uh, regulate our lives and and to make the choices that uh, are wise for our lives. Now, here's something that dawned on me as I was driving here tonight. Even though everyone was not as close to Jesus as Peter, James, and John, when he was in, in, in in, in this world, Jesus himself was... 100% God, that means that everything we need to know about God is revealed through Jesus, and he was 100% man. And that means that everything we need to know about man is revealed through Jesus. Now, I got that in School of Kingdom Ministry last week, that wording, that, 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 that angle on this I'd never really thought of before. I want to make a pitch for Kingdom School of Ministry right now, okay? I sat in that class last week and I thought to myself, why isn't everybody in the church here? I want everybody in our church to go through it. I thought to myself, and I'm not saying that this is what I wished we had done, but for a moment I thought we should have just canceled everything and only done this. And I'm just sharing that with you because I want you to know how powerful I think this course is going to be in altering and changing our lives and changing our church's life. And so if you have been thinking about taking it, you can still get in on it this week. Just fill out the application and bring it with you tomorrow night with your registration fee. But here's, here's the thought that I had. Once Jesus died and rose from the dead and he ascended back to God the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit, what wasn't possible when Jesus was here living and breathing and walking among us where he could only relate to a limited number of people. And he could only have three people in that close inner circle. Now he has sent the Holy Spirit to us who reveals Jesus to us and every one of us get to be in that inner circle. You get that? Every one of us now through the presence of Holy Spirit, we all get to be in that tight inner circle with Jesus, in the intimate circle with Jesus. But as a human being, he, he, in his life here, he couldn't fulfill that. And we follow, we follow that pattern in our own lives. Now, the apostles, when I, when I look at the apostles and I ask myself um, about them, were they all like best buddies? You, you know, they weren't. They didn't know each other equally well. They came from radically different backgrounds. And they were getting to know each other. 
they were all drawn together around Jesus, but that doesn't mean that they didn't work together. That doesn't mean they didn't grow together, even though they may not all have been best friends. They, they served together. They grew together spiritually. And they matured together spiritually. Now, that brings me to another thought about Jesus and the multitudes. You, whatever circle people were in, Jesus was able to give them what they needed from him. And each one of those circles received from him what they needed from him. So whatever circle a person was in, if they were part of the multitudes, they could get everything they needed from Jesus for a relationship with God in that distant relationship. The, the closer in group, the, the hundreds or the 70, the 12, the 3, the 1, whatever layer they were in, they got everything they needed from Jesus in order to grow and mature spiritually. And, and today, as I said, we all get to be in the inner circle. That's, that's what Jesus came and, and did. That's the Holy Spirit being poured out into us. He draws us all into that intimate, intimate relationship with him. Now, how do we experience his life today? How do we experience his life? Like the apostles experienced his life, he changed their lives How do you and I experience his life today? Well, how do we experience that inner circle type of relationship? Well, there are a number of of different avenues that, that God uses. The Bible. Reading the Bible with the Holy Spirit illumining my mind just draws me into a relationship with Jesus that is amazing. Worship. When we worship and we all are focused our hearts together on singing to Jesus, singing to God. There's something that happens where we experience intimacy with him. There are uh, spiritual experiences we have where the Holy Spirit just comes and touches us and we experience him physically and emotionally, dreams and visions that we can have that that draw us in and open up a, a deeper understanding of this intimate relationship we can have with him. And all of these things are available to us as believers in Christ. But there's another, there's another way that he reveals himself to us, and that is through other believers. Other believers. And when I am with other believers, the change that Jesus has made in my heart resonates with the change that he's made in their heart, and we're both empowered. There is like a multiplication effect of the strengthening of my heart when I spend time with other believers. And we're doing that right now. But we need to do that in other settings as well. And that's why we offer the growth groups. We need to do that in the the growth groups really fit into the social setting layer. We really need to do that with other people that I'm maybe not going to become best friends with. But for this period of time, we're going to gather together and we're going to focus on this topic or uh, on this study, and I'm going to see what God's doing in their life. And as I see that, it stirs what God's doing in my life, and it stirs my heart. You see, when, when Jesus changes us, we get new hearts that are tuned to his frequency, to his voice, to his presence. And just like John the Baptist, uh, when he was still in the womb, 
And uh, he, he was probably a couple months away from, from birth. And his mother, Elizabeth, was cousin to Jesus' mother, Mary. And Mary came to visit Elizabeth. And she's pregnant now. And she has Jesus in her womb. And the Bible tells us that when Mary came into proximity of Elizabeth, that John the Baptist, the baby in the womb, leapt in her womb. Now, the Bible tells us that John was a man that was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from even the time he was in his mother's womb. So what that means is, here's this unborn baby who is tuned in to the frequency of the Messiah. He is tuned in to the frequency of God's presence, of the presence of Jesus. And so when Jesus came into proximity with him... Through, through, the, through the womb, he sensed the presence of Jesus and responded to that. And you see, that's what happens between us. Because God's changed our hearts, he's changed our lives, and he's tuned us to the frequency of Jesus, and he's tuned your heart to the frequency of Jesus and mine. And so when we get together and those frequencies start, start multiplying, it, there, there's this multiplication effect that happens that we're just encouraged just by being in each other's presence, let alone hearing the stories of how God's working in our lives, not, not, not even thinking about someone sharing a verse from the Bible that God used to speak to them, or me just observing someone else trusting God through a difficult situation and how that lifts up my own heart and encourages my own heart. But community and relationship are all part of spiritual growth. And without it, we're going to find ourselves off on our own. We're, we're going to find ourselves isolated, uh, much more open to spiritual attack, much more prone to depression, discouragement. And so I, I just encourage you, uh, take the risk. Take the risk. You know, for the apostles, it wasn't convenient to follow Jesus. It wasn't like, oh yeah, I have three years of free time right now. You know, I'm on this extended sabbatical from my fishing business. No, it was, I go, I walk away, the fishing business goes down the tubes. And yet, Jesus, and knowing him, was so compelling to them that they, they pressed through that and they just said, yeah, I'll leave it all. I'll leave, I'll leave my business, the tax collecting business. I'll leave, I'll leave my home. I'll leave my parents. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm coming with you. And, and I just want to encourage you, be like, be like those apostles. Because what gives you life is not going to take life away from you. I was telling someone this, this week that is, is, is signing up for uh, School of Kingdom Ministry, and they were just thinking, well, it's Sunday night, and you know I'm tired Sunday nights. And I said, look, you are going to come. You're not going to be able to wait for Sunday nights. It's not going to take life away from you. It's not going to take energy away from you. It is going to fill your life up with, with energy, with God's presence. And the same thing is true of growth groups. So we, we trust that everybody is, is praying and seeking God in this and going to do what God leads you to do. But I really do encourage you to do that. And I really encourage you to listen to God's voice. And when that other little voice starts chattering away and you don't have the time, uh, you don't know these people, 
Um, it's going to be dark. How are you going to find your way there? Uh, on and on and on. Just ignore that voice and say, I need to be in relationship with others. So I'm going to find one of these topics that really connects with me. Uh, or I'm going to come to the uh, doing the stuff class and I'm going to spend that time and see who I meet there. Or I'm going to join one of our life groups. We have ongoing small groups. Or I'm going to take School of Kingdom Ministry or uh, one of the young adult house groups if you're a young adult. But I, I encourage you to press through because it's going to be life-giving for you. So... Right now, what we're going to do is spend the rest of our time worshiping. So if the worship team wants to make their way up here. I think it's pretty cool uh, when you think about this, that the new creation, and I'll just do this as they come up. The new creation that God's made me is tuned in to the frequency of the voice of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when I get around the voice of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit, I get around other people whose hearts are tuned into that same frequency. And I'm not talking about like, well, we both like football. No, that's a different thing. This is just a real, this is the way I am. This is what we're made to be. When that happens, our growth and our joy and and the power we experience in life and the freedom we experience in life is just multiplied over and over again. So why don't we all stand? And Lord, um, we, we just, we want to know you better. We really do. We just open our hearts to you right now. If you've accepted Jesus, then he has changed your heart. And I encourage you just to accept that and just offer that heart back to him right now. We come to worship you now. Come to worship you.